0: Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence, real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Welcome back to the Think Orphan podcast. We are so grateful for each and every one of you that are listening to this. And I'm Phil Dark. Your host with me is Brandon Stiver. And, uh, you know, we got uh, another great, great episode. We have a couple of folks who have who have just had some incredible life experiences they're going to share with us and, and be able to, we're going to be able to learn some things that, uh, you know, hopefully we're always picking up something new in this episode, in these episodes that we're listening to that we're doing and you're listening to. But, uh, I really think today that to, the to, to listen close, because these are some perspectives that we really need to have. So Brandon, why don't you give a little uh, sneak preview into what we're going to be getting and then uh, just share, you know, you did a couple cool things last week and yesterday was a very important day, or day as well. So I want you to make sure that you uh, bring oh, that yes. up too.
1: Yes, yes. Yesterday was an important day. Uh, if, it, if it wasn't for yesterday, I don't know what my family would be because uh, <laughs> yesterday was my wife's birthday. So happy birthday to the missus. Yes. Uh, we celebrated her and, you know, I, I, we, we can't say enough about mom's. Can't say enough about our wives. Uh, they they make this world go around. So happy birthday to my wife, Melissa. Yes, we celebrated yesterday, and and it has been a busy week. It's been a busy week indeed. Uh, I was down in Southern Washington last week, uh, connecting with the One Million Home team, doing some strategic planning for 2022. Uh, you know, hopefully that gets done in Q4, but we did it in January. Not too bad. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, it was good. It was busy though. I'm feeling a little tired though. Uh, how about you, man? You, you've been doing some traveling yourself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You, I'm assuming you're excited for what's to come in 22. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously see what that is, but, uh, you excited for what you guys were able to to come up with and just, uh, hopefully reflect on what, what, what God has been doing already. Yes. Yeah. Always excited. Uh, sometimes
1: uh, the, the, the excitement is not contained. And I don't necessarily mean that in, in always uh, <laughs> the best way. Um, because, you know, even like we were talking about with uh, Caroline recently, uh, you know, the importance of nonprofit and organization and excellence in that area. So it, we're, we're, we are an impact-oriented organization, and, which is amazing. Um, and, and just trying to figure out all the other stuff that goes along with that. But uh, we're, so, we're so
0: thankful for all that God's called us to. It's, it's wonderful. So That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, you guys how, how about you, though, man? stuff. And I know some, there's more amazing stuff to come. So, yeah, last week was, was really actually a very, very cool thing. You know, I've been in the last 13 years just really getting to know and, and blessed to meet some amazing people in the orphan care space. In the last year, as we've been talking about on this show and a little bit other, other places, um, I've really been getting into the sports world and the soccer world to see how we can really help the orphan and the vulnerable through sports and through soccer in particular, since that's my, that's my love language, you know? And so, um, I was able to go to the United Soccer Coaches Convention and really just start making, uh, really hopefully some deep relationships with, with a lot of folks there. I've already been able to do that via Zoom. And, you know, as y'all know out there, there's, we've had this Zoom world, this virtual world and I just really enjoyed getting there were 7000 people there getting into a convention center and and really be able to connect in person with people who I'd only had calls or zoom calls with Uh, man. It was it was sweet time sharing meals with people just connecting with people in different places getting some great content as well as always Um, and uh, just grateful for that and really excited as you talked about too. just really excited for the huge potential for people who want to help but don't know how and they're already connecting people through the world of, of soccer in this instance um and to be able to come alongside them and say hey here's some great ideas uh can you help us execute and i i have no doubt these the synergies that are going to be happening over the next uh few years uh and beyond are uh, are gonna are gonna make some make some difference and uh so i'm 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 very excited because it's blending awesome, my man. passions, you know, and that's, uh, that doesn't always happen. We don't always get to do that. So, no. all right. So, who do we have? What are we going to be talking about today? And let's get to it.
1: Yeah. So, I'm excited for today's episode. Um, I was able to be uh, introduced to one of these young ladies um, a few months ago through one of our friends at the Miracle Foundation. So, um, we had Caroline, uh, earlier on, uh, and, uh, she was just a phenomenal guest, so much wisdom, so much insight. And, you know, one of the, uh, with Miracle Foundation, they do a few different programs, but one of the initiatives that they did was this, uh, this project called Youth for Social Impact, where they find, uh, care leavers, um, people that, you know, are care experienced and, uh, basically work with them, invest in them so that they can, uh, launch initiatives. And I was able to meet, uh, Sinet Chan, uh, who's going to be on the show today. Um, and she's actually got a pretty cool initiative that I think, uh, hopefully our, our, uh, our, uh, audience would be, uh, interested to find out about, uh, because she's doing actually a podcast. Mm. Um, but after connecting, after connecting with Sunnet, um, Miracle Foundation asked if I would be a part of the second round and ended up meeting Grace and Jerry. So, and she's down in Kenya. So we, we have a very multinational call. Uh, we got, we got us out here on the West coast and then we got, uh, calling in from Cambodia and Grace calling in from Kenya and and we're going to hear their stories and, and the good stuff that they're up to. Well, Grace and Sinet, it is a pleasure uh, to have you guys on the Think Orphan podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us, calling in from from places all over the world. So I was just sharing with our audience about um, how you guys uh, have been a part of the Youth for Social Impact uh, project and, and launching initiatives in Kenya and Cambodia. Uh, uh, also just recognize that you guys are both a part of uh, the USAID Care Leavers Council, so you guys are really getting engaged in a lot of different ways um when it comes to uh improving the care of children. So we would love to just uh hear your guys' story and and uh as I met Sinet first, maybe I'll just start with you Sinet. Sinet, can you just share with us a little bit about your story, um your upbringing and 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 even what it was like for you when when you left care?
2: When I left care, um uh I was uh, 18, 18 years old and I was sent to live in Phnom Penh, the uh, capital city of Cambodia. And like, they just sent me there without, you know, explain. You need to go to the market, cook by yourself. You need to set up your room and, you know, for, uh, finding your school. And it, it feels like I was abandoned. and. And I was left there alone and no one really, you know, like a social worker, mentor or supporting me during that time. So uh, that during that time, I wish, you know, like, I wish there is somebody telling me that it's going, going to be okay. You got to do this and do that and start all over again. And back then I was so down. I was absolutely so down because I was abandoned at the orphanage, you know, like uh, no one really care. And then uh, go back to live in a real society. I abandoned again and I faced discrimination because I am not like from an an, like orphan and, and like depressed and suicidal and no one really uh, support on that
1: yeah no, and that's I mean heartbreaking, heartbreaking when we hear these types of stories. and Sunette, so, if I remember correctly, you know, one of the things that we talk about on this podcast regularly are different types of care. Um, and we also recognize that that there are um, different types of residential facilities, some are better than others and And if I remember correctly, did you actually stay at two different orphanages um, during your childhood? Can you even share a little bit about? That experience, right? So we talk about care leaving and and how challenging that was, but you actually experienced multiple types of orphanages. What was what was that like from the inside?
2: So the in, like it's it's bad and good, but I I can say that I was um like I can say I I experimented by myself because I experienced living in the, uh, the bad orphanage almost ten year in my like uh, uh but I like. Uh, ten, uh, from nine to um, 17. And then I moved to the good orphanage. But during, during in the bad orphanage, I was exploitation. And I, I was work in the like hard labor, like, you know, looking after the cow, um, uh, growing vegetable farm and like many more work and all the profit is going to the market. And all the money is going to the director pocket, and that uh, during that time we work, but no one really care if you are sick, you have enough food to eat, or you know uh, clean water to drink. Sometimes we drink like very dirty water from the uh, water uh, like volley. and when we get sick, they just left uh, the kids. On the floor and get help by themselves, and lucky enough, and and I forget to mention during that time, like we was very bad neglect because the director of the orphanage like physically abuse us, like also like uh I was raped by the director of the orphanage. I said this uh. A lot of time because I want to um, to mention that it's okay to say it. Like when I was young, I'm so scared to tell all my like my care lever that I was raped. I was so like embarrassed and ashamed. But right now, I feel like I need to talk about it, and we it's okay to say it and don't feel ashamed about it. And later on, I, I, I moved to the good orphanage and the best care. But still, I feel lonely and like feeling abandoned and seeking for love and trust, but still I can't find.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sinet, I'm uh, first of all, I'm just so sorry about all of these things uh, that you underwent. And, you know, for, for, for somebody like me, right? So... I, I used to work at a children's home. Uh, I, I worked at a children's home for two and a half years uh, in East Africa. Um, realized um, that and it, was, it was more like the good orphanage, right? Um, uh, where the people were more caring, um, but recognized, you know, this isn't the best way. There could be better ways, right, um, to care for kids. But we talk about some of these things um, and we've had people that have come on the podcast and have said, you know, there's exploitation in orphanages or, or you know, the prevalence of sexual abuse is there. Um, but for you to come on and, I mean, just, um, I mean, the, the, I, I don't think we've ever had something like that quite before. So, Sinet, thank you for your bravery even. I mean, that's just really remarkable. And, and thank you for advocating on behalf of children that are still in those exploitative um, situations, right? Um, um it's just remarkable.
2: And I want to mention that there is no good orphanage. There is no good orphanage and uh, no excuse, you know, no excuse. There is no good orphanage, and you need to put all those uh, vulnerable children in the orphanage in the good like in the hope of good future. I experienced it myself. And I also working with the carelever, and 10, like nine of them. They are experienced, like, you know, a horrible life, even in the good orphanage. So no excuse.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Sunet. And Grace, I would love to hear from you as well. Um, you, uh, you are not Cambodian. Uh, you are Kenyan, uh, joining us from, from East Africa, um, but also have a, have a care experience story. Um, would you just share maybe with us just a little bit about your own story, your upbringing and and what it was like uh, even when you exited care?
3: Sure. Thank you, Brandon, for having me. And uh, Mm -hmm. sorry, Sinet, for the childhood traumas you also experienced. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. For me, uh, my story is not as heartbreaking as Sinet, but it's also a unique story in that I was able to experience family life for quite a long time. Before I was enrolled in a residential care, so how my story began is, uh, as I was clearing my primary school level, I was in sort of in search of a uh, high school support for education, and so I got enrolled to this CCI, whereby in exchange of being supported for my education, and so I spent part of my uh, childhood with my family, my mother. And I used to, in my primary school, I used to see the children from the CCI that I was admitted to, and I will see, wow, they're so privileged in that they have, uh, I mean, they care, they are being given, uh, provided for meals, uh, their school uniform being catered for. Whereas for us, it was uh, contrary to that. So, there was that speech that we used to adore them, you know. But then the moment when I was told, I will join DCCI, I was uh, in a limbo in that I didn't really want to go, but I needed the support. So I had the feelings of stigmatization in that uh, the way the society views children in DCCI come from uh, often, they are mostly orphans. So I had that same idea and I was like, so how is it about me? I'm not an orphan. Why should I also be placed in a CCI? So, and this happened when I was still a teenager, you know, whereby you also have changes happening in your body trying to identify yourself. And at that point, I remember I completely changed in that my social relations did change completely because I had friends from my childhood and I cut off those friendship immediately. I was admitted in care. So being in care also was not smooth because there was a a lot of discrimination happening, uh, mostly based on who knows who. So that also happened. But later on with life after high school, I managed to clear and yeah, it was the moment for me to exit. So they took me back home to my family. Uh, The other thing, uh, the expectation that we had is that, you know, they took you and gave you this hope of supporting your education. And uh, for me, I was good in studies, so I performed well. And I was so sure they will also cater for my uh, university fees. And to my surprise, it didn't happen. And why it didn't happen, I was linked out, I was linked up with my sponsor who schooled me in high school, and when I reached out to her, uh, she said, she didn't know I, that's when I actually opened her that right now I'm home with my mom and my brother, and so she was also shocked uh, because the story she had of me, so that she got to support me, was that I was an orphan, so she was shocked that I had actually a family and she did cut the sponsorship and she was not able to support my higher education. So that is how it was. And it was really tough for me in that I was so hopeful that I really uh, at once got some hope of pursuing my education with great hope, but I wasn't. It was cut short. Luckily enough, since I performed well, I did take a, a loan from the government, and I was able to yeah, process my education to completion, my degree. So that is all about
1: no, that's so good, Grace, and and it's actually really important for us to juxtapose. You know, there are there are different care leaver stories, um, and the the piece around education with yours, Grace, is is quite. Um, I, I think it happens more often than people realize, and almost creates like an incentive for kids to go into children's homes. Um, but uh, it, it's really fascinating to uh, to to juxtapose, um, you know, these two stories. So
0: thank you both for sharing. Yeah, you know, and you know these stories are are not, you know, they are unique stories and that's what we're hearing as you talked about brandon they, they they're there are there's not just one oh this is what the care leaver story is this is what the orphanage is it's a whole it, you have to look at, at each of them uh to, to to get the ideas but what but there are some themes there are some things that people who you know we talk we had francis chan um i assume there's no relations in that but but you know maybe maybe you're related to francis chan somehow but uh, I don't think so. Just to clarify that, folks. Um, but, uh, but he came on and he was surprised with some of the things that go on in orphanages and that, that are there. Because so many, um, we can speak for Americans, Brandon and I are both Americans. Uh, so many people think, oh, orphanage, well, it's better than nothing. It's, it's, it's a good place for these kids to go if they don't have anything else. And, and it gives us almost an excuse to say, this is good enough, so let's, let's just go with it. But can you, I want to hear from both of you and you know, about just some of the, the context of what um, vulnerable children actually are facing in your, your countries, your respective countries, uh, inside and outside of orphanages. But just, so, Sinead, why don't we start with you? Can you share with us about the issues facing vulnerable children in Cambodia? And uh, what are some of the reasons that children become separated from their families? Most
2: important thing is Poverty, being poor and not have uh, education. Uh, Right now we face uh, uh, that because in um, parent parent mind like traditional Cambodian parent mind, they think that um, only uh, like to have education for their children only is to go to an orphanage. Because in Cambodia, when I was uh, young, like uh, the, the orphanage director will drive his car, go around to village and village, uh, talking to the, the parents saying that, if you uh, give your children to my orphanage, uh, I will give uh, uh, the important um, education to your children. And then when they finish school, I will support them with the job and then they can provide you know like salary back to their to their family. And because their parents are educated and they believe the director of the orphanage. That is why they they send the, the children. And back then uh, it's it's just my like like my childhood mind and memory. But when I work now, when I work with those children and the community and the society, I can see that, you know, in Cambodia, we, we experience Khmer Rouge, right? And um, we start, after, the, after that year, we start all over again, and everyone is trying to survive. And there is a lot of orphan but they are real orphan. But now it's is uh, uh, and that time they uh build orphanage yes we need it during that time but now it's 40 years already and there is no more no more uh orphan, like real orphan it's just uh, uneducated and being being poor so That is why they separated from their family and, like, in a trick, you know, in a trap of uh, belief in higher education, you need to go to orphanage.
0: Yeah, you know, and wow, you know, this is something that, folks, if you don't know the history of Cambodia, I I encourage you to uh, study it. It's 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 incredible the. What, what happened. And I say incredible, not in a good way. In a, it, it, it's, it lacks credibility how something like that could happen in our world. Um, and now you, Sinet, are, are, are part of that history and, and, and it's, it does play a lot into what's going on over there. Craig Greenfield and Sarah Chin both have been on this show. They're both in Cambodia. They talk more about that. I was able to visit Cambodia and to see um, some of the prisons and the and and the things that were happening there in Phnom Penh, and man, it, I uh, my heart goes out to you, um, just for your country as well, um, and praying for uh, you know, just continuing work that you're doing, and the, and the work that Craig and Sarah are doing there, and and it's stuff that for Americans again, for people in the Western. Cultures, it's hard to believe that things like that actually happened, um, but they did, and they are continuing to in different ways. But, but uh, I just want to hopefully encourage you, Sonette. Uh, thank you for who you are and what you're doing, and just your your heart. I can tell you are an advocate, and you are fighting, and I love that. I love that as you're talking earlier. Just it's important to talk about these things and share because. As long as it stays in the dark, we won't be able to see it and know about it. So you got to keep putting it in the light and and just both of you, but uh, in in Cambodia in particular uh, right now. But why don't we we turn to Kenya, uh, Grace? Um, In what ways is Kenya similar to what uh, Sinet was talking about? And and, and what ways is it different in in the context of vulnerable children and and really uh, the issues facing vulnerable children and why kids are... uh, separated from their families in Kenya?
3: Yeah, so in Kenya also, it's uh, not quite different from what Senat shared, uh, despite us having different uh, histories in that for Kenya also, poverty is a major issue why children are being uh, admitted to residential care. Uh, currently, I'm also working as a social worker uh, in a residential set up and of why I chose this is also because I want to learn if years after advocacy has there been any improvement or what are the measures. So from my current learnings is that are the same same reasons are still uh are there whereby children from abusive families or due to poverty or maybe their parents have been imprisoned or their parents even were sick or died so those are some of the reasons that uh, most children are admitted into residential cares here in Kenya and the irony is that it's not like they don't have their own family ties they do but they're being uh, plucked out of their own communities and being brought still uh, in a residential setup where it's it's not the best place for them. So these are some of the reasons that are bring children become separated from their families. And they, the the third thing is that they also get to lose their own identity when they're in this uh, residential care. Some also lose their own confidence because they don't know who they actually are when they're let out to uh, during exit. So it's a lot more. Of
0: different issues, yeah, yeah. And I just want to ask both of you too. I mean, we we talk a lot on this show of the interconnectedness, how everything is connected in the work that we're doing here. We talked, you talked, you both talked about poverty, which is why we talk so much about poverty alleviation on this on this podcast. Um, in inherent in the conversation here is family strengthening. And and family reunification is obviously part of that, but to strengthen families and to help families understand the the power of family and why pa- families are so necessary for the flourishing of children. And then you you mentioned there too, uh, Grace, identity that identity is lost, and we talk about identity formation, discipleship, and your identity. Um, and can you both speak to that that particular? Concept of identity, um, starting with you, Grace. But just why do you? What is it about the orphanages that basically make you lose your identity?
3: Sure, I'd actually start with my own experience. Like uh, prior joining uh, the CCI, I was so much uh, involved with my church, the youth activities. I was so active in that, and when i joined it was the moment of my adolescence so i'm um, being changed to the normal uh, society that i was used to despite the changes happening in my body of trying to know you know the transition to adulthood adulthood it's also a new a new transition that you also as a young person uh, get to uh, ju- juggle around so that is one and now when you're in this i Uh, First of all, you faith, you don't practice the same faith you used to practice. You have to adopt to the new faith that is being practiced. Why is that so? Uh, Most of the CCI sometimes find it easier to just uh, have you under one uh, religion. So that's one. people get to lose their own religious beliefs. Uh, the other bit is also in terms of also the relationship you had with your family, yeah, so the ties you had. Uh, I know of experiences from uh, close care lovers of mine that, yes, they know their relatives, but you don't even want to be associated with them. You feel like uh, I don't belong to them, you know, I, I belong to my own self, I have my own small world, and that is it. Even if you have... Uh, any personal troubles, you'd rather approach any other stranger, other than reaching out to you or family members. Sometimes, who are even able to help you out. So you've been disconnected from the people who you you share blood with. So that is something else that it pulls you from your own identity, and even culturally, you know, a language, uh, um, ways of cooking, and so it get lo- lost
0: a long way yeah yeah absolutely so do you have anything to add to that
2: uh i yeah similar to grace but um when i was at the orphanage i experienced like seeing volunteer coming and going into like into my life out of my life like every day and like you can you can imagine all the you know like uh, many, many volunteer or donors, supporters come from around the world and like American, French, Japan, Chinese, and yes, many more Australian. And imagine all those people come from with different culture, nationality, and, you know, so speaking different language and they come to see us every day. And we are my and cambodian and we that when they come to see us they didn't like see us as a cambodian they were like they see us as one of them you know they they didn't speak our language they they didn't want to hear our culture or tasting our own food they they share us all their you know like their culture and everything they own and when we when we when we go out to our society to live in independent or living an orphanage, our society would not accept us. They didn't accept us because they thought that you know you are one of those foreigner. You know, like the way you dress up, the way you speak, the your mind. You know, you are not one of us, and that is very difficult. It is why we see the gap of you know, the the, the gen- generation to one generation, uh, they are tr- like trying to find themselves. It's, that is why a lot of care when they go out to, to live independent, they are struggle to find themselves, to, to know about themselves. And that, that is why, like that is, can be a reason they fell into depression, anxiety, and, you know, later on, fell into drug, alcoholic, or, you know, sometimes they take their own life.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, that really, the next thing we just wanted to talk about, and I think if you have anything to add to it, I'd love to hear, but also go to you, Grace. But just the challenges that uh, face the, the, the young people that, you know, that faced you and faced others as they age out of the orphanages and residential care. So what are some of those challenges and, and really, and then we'll get into what you're doing to overcome them in a few minutes. But uh, what what are some of those challenges? You mentioned some, Grace, um, I mean, uh, Sinet. But uh, Grace, why don't you uh, share about that? And then, Sinet, if you have anything to add, we'll we'll go to that.
3: Sure. Thanks, Philip. So uh, the challenge that uh, young people face when they exit care, yeah, I'll start with, uh, from me, how I used to view uh, the children in CCIs before I actually joined. So, the societal expectation is that, well, they're being provided with all the privileges. So, definitely have a better life. And upon exit, when you're being uh, released out to the community, you find it being different. So, this young person was not prepared or wasn't even given. The necessary uh things for you to settle in the community yet the community expects that you had a better life so uh you they place you higher uh that is one of the main challenges whereby the society expects more from you yet you're just uh any other normal person who is also trying to fight your own inner demons of trying to fit into this new whole setup of the society so that is one big challenge and then the other one also based on uh, the relationship in care you aren't used to uh, being in your own making your own independent decisions so you come out here and you're not even able to sustain some of your relationships why uh, because as sinet was speaking about the volunteerism you're used to people coming and going in your life so it becomes a norm, you know, in your life that, oh, this is how life is all about, you know. You don't form a stable, uh, long-term relationship. Uh, The other thing is also a lack of support system. Uh, Luckily here in Kenya, uh, we have Keska, uh, but most of of careleaders who are not also aware of Keska, before they join, they wallow into their own lives, are trying to understand their own selves uh, but luckily if they get in touch with keska somehow uh, they tend to fill that gap because now they find people who they can relate to you know people with similar experiences as they had you can even talk of your own stories without shame because the other big thing is uh how do you just go about in the society telling people uh this is what I went through, you know. Some people will not be able to understand you. Mm-hmm. Others will judge you. Others will pity you. So it's quite a whole, a lot of challenges into it, whereby as a young person yet trying to discover your own self, you have a lot more to face. You aren't taught resilience. You're out here. Life expects you to cope up. What do you do? Yeah.
0: Yep. absolutely.
3: Yeah, the same, the
2: same too, Grace, but I just want to add that um, in, in Cambodia, uh, we have a little um, um, like a stigma saying that um, of, often who live in orphanage is a bad kid. They are abandoned from, uh, from like in the rubbish dump of abandoned from their family and or sometimes they are uh, a rob a robber or doing drug, or you know like uh a doing like stupid thing not like sp- bad kid so when they are leaving care going to the to live independent they facing the discrimination it's not a good thing it's like discre discrimination as a bad person so when when they uh like it's hard for them to find a job, hard for them to rent even a room to stay. And, mm-hmm. and it's a lack of support during that time because no one really give them the hospitality. Like when they get sick, there is a government supporting them or they doing, uh, you know, like um, going to uh, school, there is somebody who going with them and, um not not really supporting them during those times and as my experience during uh, uh the time i live in care like in my generation most of my fr- my friends didn't turn out good i mean uh some of them they are still in jail right now and uh some of them is uh, like walking naked like but like in Cambodia they 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 we say they are going crazy it's mean they are mad like some of them they doing drug and prostitution and yes I still see them every day walking on the street and maybe different from you guys in America there is you know government support you when you a facility that support you when you, your mind going not in the right direction, you know? So in Cambodia, we we don't have that kind of support. So that is like a very struggle for us. And one important that we face is that we don't have uh, access to the life skill like a job, a decent job. And if the government or um, the NGO who support the care they they support them with the skill, I believe that uh, generation to generation to come, there will be uh, a solution. You know, we will break the cycle of the poverty and the uneducated generation you know
1: yeah no that's um there's so many different factors in there that that can affect uh children when they've exited care and you know i just want to underscore to our audience you know this isn't um you know some theorist coming on (laughs) This isn't me and Phil talking about, you know, what we think or what we've seen on visits or, you know, work in you know, Phil's work in Latin America, my work in East Africa. This this is not this is this is real uh stuff from people with lived ex- experience that are now leading in this space. So um I just really uh I just again just so thankful for both of you coming on and, and, and sharing with us because this has so much more authority and and you know. I, you know, Phil and I can get you know graduate degrees, and we can you know run nonprofits, <laughs> and we don't have half the authority that you two do. Um, so, just thank you so much, um, Grace. Were you going to add something?
3: Yeah, sure. I was actually when was speaking, I remembered a statement from an Uber driver who was uh, taking me to one CCI that I was going to facilitate some life skill session, and his statement was, "Oh." So, these children, they are like the ones who are truant, you know, those who do drugs, how are they like, you know, those negative statements. So, what Sinect just said reminded me of that guy's statement. And I also agree with uh, the social ills that most caregivers get into. But then you ask yourself, why do they get into it? You know, you are not prepared to self-resilience. You're not resilient to face life and you are used to quick fix solutions in care that everything was easily provided so what do you opt to you sought to easily measures whereby you can quick fix your problems and so and these social ills are some of the uh quick fix that most young people think it's an easy easy way yeah
1: no thank you for thank you for adding that grace and and i do think that Part of the things that we want to overcome when we want to talk about improving the care of children, reunifying families, getting into alternative family when necessary, um, is that there is a general perception. And that isn't just like, like here in the States. We, when we talk with people about, you know, improving the care of children, uh, uh, you know, in the global South, um, most people have a very different connotation, you know, from those that have kind of worked in this space or have experienced care. Um, and that applies elsewhere, also. I saw this, you know. Um, I, I was in Tanzania for several years, um, and, and had similar conversations to what you had with with your with your with your uh, driver, uh, Grace. So, thank you for thank you for adding that. And you know, I just want to um, say we're going to turn the page here just a little bit because what Sanet and Grace have been doing have been, you know, painting this picture um, to help our audience understand. Not only their specific stories, and every individual has their own specific story that's unique, um, but also helping us understand some of the larger themes that are facing um, children. and And it is a challenging situation, right? Because there is abuse, there is neglect, there is abandonment, there is um, ostracization, and you know, being stigmatized. All of these things. these These are real things, and those are those are things that you guys have been highlighting. But uh that's not the end of the story, um, and it's not just you guys coming onto the podcast to share with our audience about 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 who you guys are, but um you guys are also engaged in this work, and you guys are leading out. So, um as I had mentioned earlier in the show, you guys uh, have this connection to our friends at Miracle Foundation. Um, our audience will know that Caroline uh, Boudreaux was on the was on an episode earlier in this year. But one of the things that you guys have been involved in, in addition to the USAID uh, Care Leavers Council, is that you were both recipients of a Youth for Social Impact uh, Award. So just to kind of catch up our our audience, the Youth for Social Impact is an initiative um, with Miracle Foundation that seeks to empower youth between the ages of 17 to 30 that have lived experience of family separation um, so that these individuals can work with their local communities to address pressing challenges in the areas of youth development and family strengthening. All good stuff. Throughout the program, youth have a space to spark conversations around challenges faced by youth who have experienced family separation, build networks within their community and other youth with shared experiences and create change that will positively impact other youth facing the same challenges. You know, I'm reminded Grace, you mentioned Keska um, and for our um, Audience members that aren't aware of Keska—that's the Kenya Society of Care Leavers—and um, you know, I I have looked up to what Keska has been able to do. Um, Ruth Washuka is a friend, and she's been on the show before, um, and just uh, appreciate that work. But it's kind of an anomaly, right? It's it's kind of a rare thing um, to have a society like that. Most most um, most countries and communities don't have that strong. Um, bond across uh, care leavers, uh, like you see at Keska, and what I love about the Youth for Social Impact is that it's those types of things that draw those bonds, um, which which I absolutely love. Um, so uh, youth have the opportunity to receive um, hours of uh, ten plus hours of skills development through workshops, connect with other youth around the world, and then apply for a grant to implement uh, a community development project so um the youth for social impact uh is a is a is a fantastic program um and let's go with uh sinette first so sinette you uh you actually uh got a uh, won the award on uh, on an initiative that uh, is very near and dear to phil and my heart especially phil as the as the founder of think orphan but uh you, uh, you can you share with us about your initiative, how it works, and and what your podcast uh, accomplishes for for young people in Cambodia.
2: So uh, first, I never I never know about the care lever com- community. Uh, in Cambodia, we don't have the word care lever or understanding of the care leaver as a group. So. I when when I was living care, I thought into myself during that horrible time, I wish there is a group of friends or someone can telling me, you know, that it's going to be okay, hang there, uh, I'm listening to you. We we will get this together. But I, I it's never happened. It's happened when uh um I think uh uh, to, to, uh, then 2020, uh, the Medical Foundation, they invited me as a, a you know, a, like a, a, care, a care leaver, a care experience to join uh, a care from all over the world. That is my first time to know That is the care from around the world, I was like mind blowing and very exciting to hear from a lot of the care from different uh, area. And I, I like uh, five days with them, I learned so much about the power of the care lever, uh, community, care lever group, and the power of we are going together, we going to, um, uh, make a change. Then when I come back, there is, uh, uh, you know, a grant from the Medical Foundation. Uh, uh, I apply for them and I get it. So um, after the consultation with the, the Medical Foundation, I create uh, the, the podcast talking about real life, uh, real life story of the caregiver in Cambodia. And, and uh, uh, our goal is just like simple. We just want to stay connected, uh, stay in a network. Uh, uh, anything you want to talk, we can sit down and discuss and find solution. And we have, we also, not just a podcast, but we have a a network that uh, support like a place from the Cambodia Children Trust that they uh, give us a free space and free internet uh, like for us to meet every weekend and share our personal story and sharing uh, everything that we want to achieve. Like, like uh, every week, anyone uh, have you know, like learning session we can share. And we just published our first episode uh, this Saturday. And like a lot of people engaged and I'm so happy about it. And we uh, like, like, there is an old man. He called me like saying that he listened to the podcast and he was so excited because like, similar to his story, but in a different generation. He's, uh, he's an orphan. Uh, he's like, he's not orphan. He's uh, an orphan. He separated from his uh, mother from uh, after Khmer Rouge and lived in an orphanage. And he shared his experience, that struggle, and he is so happy that we, we build this group and have this podcast. And the sandwich that he said, he said that I wish during that time, there is a club, there is a, a story that reminding me to go on with my life and similar to mine. And I was in tears, you know, it's like healing me in a way, you know, it's powerful.
1: That is powerful. I, I, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps even as you sh- share that, snippet because you know, this, this is a situation where there, there's nothing, right? And even for you to say, look, it was only a couple of years ago that I even connected with care leavers, period, you know, and they weren't even Cambodian like you are, right? So, I mean, it, it's, it's remarkable. And, and to be able to start to have those conversations, I mean, Phil and I experienced firsthand uh, the opportunity to build community around podcasts, but with such an intimate uh, uh, content that you're getting into, um, I think you're going to draw a better connection than than we ever have, and and I think that that's that that's just a that that's the early indicator, right? Is is this guy coming out of the woodworks uh, to just share with you his story? So that's beautiful. Congratulations on uh, the launch of your podcast and and the important work that that you're doing. And um, let's turn to Grace. I would love to hear uh, about the initiative that that you're doing as well. You mentioned uh, being a social worker and um, continuing on. Um, uh, to even engage in, in residential care spaces there in Kenya um and and you were a part of the second round I, I would say uh, I would be glad to say that I was uh, privileged to be on the uh, judging board for the second round which was grace's round uh, and grace I will tell you you received the highest marks i I was very impressed with with your proposal uh, you did a fantastic job so uh, grace can you share a little bit with us about the initiative that you're leading out on in Kenya
3: Yeah, thank you, Brandon. Yeah, so for my initiative uh, was made possible through Miracle Foundation. And about the project, it's more related to, you remember in the beginning of the discussion, as Sinet mentioned about, I wish uh, after exit, there was someone to mentor me, someone to work with me. So it's also from personal experiences that my project also came to be. So my project is called Healing Our Traumas through life skills, and, life skills training and mentorship. Uh, it's a training project for people who are young people in residential care between ages 13 to 19 years. And our focus mostly is to equip the young people with skills to cope with life after care. How it's going to be, it's, uh, we're going to give uh, the young children a voice in that they will select topics they'd like to be taught in uh, from a long list of topics. And then from there, we create content uh, based on different resources available and then offer the training sessions over a period of time, not only a one-time session, but a prolonged period. Why is this so? Because um, sometimes change doesn't happen instantly. There's also this uh, aspect of, yes, you trained me right now, but then uh, comes months or weeks later, um, uh, do I get to remember the concept or do I still need uh, a new concept? So the project is aimed at these young people to work with them in different life skills topic uh, for quite some time. And even after exit, link them with uh, networks like now uh, the bigger network of Care Leavers Network here in Kenya, Keska, whereby they can also have access to more resources and a pool of other care leavers. Uh, the other bit is also the mentorship aspect, whereby we intend to work with them in all aspects and also offer counseling sessions for them. So that's the uh, the first bit about uh, the project. And then the other second phase is also to focus on now uh, empowering and strengthening the community so this the project also will be implemented in the communities uh, in setups like churches and schools whereby we'll continue the same also empowering the community you know the community that is not aware of uh, sending children to uh, institutional care is harmful you know are they aware so sensitizing them about the harms and also empowering the young children that with also the last of the, they will be beneficial at their own level. Yeah, because uh, one bit I also wanted to share is that I did approach uh, one CCI that we'll be working with. And when I was talking about the project, they were like, you know what? I want to tell you uh, of an incident that happened here whereby we had a, a lot of a group that we exited at the age after, completing the primary level, so they were to join high school level. And these young people were being provided with education and all resources that were required. But guess what? Only one completed the high school level. And the organization, the CCI was like, we really wonder what went wrong, you know? And we feel that this project will be handful useful for these children to be able also to equip them so that when they go out they're able to cope and you know continue with that whole process so it really gave me morale to know that yes even though it was an idea based from also a different experiences it still is a need based on the response i got from this i yeah.
0: absolutely
1: that's fantastic
0: well we could talk for hours and hours. I I I look forward to the day that we uh get to meet in person. Um, hopefully it'll be sooner than later. Um, but uh, all good things must come to an end at some point. So we have a couple more questions for you that we ask all our guests, and so we'd love to hear your answers to these. And and why don't we just uh. Maybe have a Sonette start the first one and Grace, you can start the second one. So the first question we have that we finish up all our episodes with is what have you read, watched, or listened to that has most impacted your thinking on how we can love orphaned and vulnerable children and families with excellence? So Sonette, what do, what, do, what do you got?
2: And can Grace go first?
0: What's up? Grace can go first. Sure, sure. Les, Grace says, can Sinek go first? And then it will go back and forth and we just won't, uh, we'll never finish. But why, why don't you go ahead, Grace?
3: Okay. Yeah. So for me, I think also it's uh, some training session that I went through. Uh, there was one uh, online session of getting care right for all children. It was offered by Future Land Land. Future Learn, yeah, a philanthropic organization, sometimes back. And I went through that whole session and it really changed my whole perception and, you know, The whole scenario and concept about how to actually care for uh, the vulnerable children in our society. And lately, I also went through an online session by Faith to Action, uh, titled "Transition to Family Care," which was also impactful and knowledgeable. In uh, mostly because of uh, the experiences that the guest speakers used to come and share of how they relate and their own perception of the whole idea of orphans and vulnerable children and how they should be well catered for in their families. So that has also uh, impact, impacted me a lot and mostly above all is our founder of Kenya Society of Care Levers, Stephen Osembe. He's been an advocate for this for so long and it not for his own efforts of bringing up and setting up a network for caregivers, I don't think uh, that some of these discussions could be here, or some of us also, I don't know what kind of life we could be living in, could be a totally messed up life. So, yeah, those are the people that also inspire me.
0: Great. You ready yet? You ready, Sunette?
2: I My broken English, I just uh, now understand the question.
0: <laughs> oh, got it, got it. All right, good.
2: So, so, um. I, I read a book called "How Not to Start an Orphanage" uh, by uh, Tara Winkler. Um, uh, her life experience during, uh, you know, she started an orphanage, and uh, and during that time, she she know that that all those children is uh, is not an orphan, and let her she uh um you know re uh, rechange the structure from the orphanage to a center uh, reintegrate children back to the the family and like a lot of people saying that that is not possible like not possible cannot do it cannot uh, reintegrate those children back to their parents. but uh her story really changed changed my life changed my thought because it is true. We can check. We can. I mean, we can make a change. We really can. Uh, you know, reintegrate children from orphanage back to their family and strengthen straighten, uh, strengthening their family back to their you know their their own uh family uh, structure. So yeah
0: yeah absolutely and, and uh, that I think the TED talk Tara Winkler has from I think the same title if I'm not mistaken yeah so check that out we'll have those uh, links in the show notes and uh, last question what uh, what person has uh, most impacted your thinking on how we can love orphaned and vulnerable children and families with excellence so Grace what do you got
3: okay <sighs> Well, for me, as I shared earlier, it's on my own mother, as she's been inspirational in that I look at how she cared for us when we were still young, despite the poverty levels, you know, Uh, yes, we went through uh, going hungry, not having uh, well uh, clothing, enough clothing and so, and lack of food. But she never gave up on us. And for me, actually, it wasn't my mom who took me to an orphanage. She realized a it later on when I was already admitted, because uh, the word was that when you have good grades. So I was actually following up by myself. And my mother never gave up on us. So she still is my power person in that she cared for us, even in her worst case scenario, but she provided for us. And I know it is very possible that even the least, the most poor person is capable of taking care of their own children, uh, despite their own challenges. Uh, with a little push, they do better. They give uh, better care and quality care. So, yeah. Fantastic. How about, how about you,
0: Sunette? Uh, I
2: don't have a parent, uh, mm-hmm. But I see a caregiver uh, that have impacted my thought, my thinking, because uh, they really do change their life and a resilient person that, you know, for, during their lifetime struggle, but can get out from all the, you know, struggle, but still can be uh you know like very kind and uh give back to the society and support uh being a good uh citizen you know so i think because i work with those caregivers and every day they you know like writing up my day and believe that every care leaver they can go far and they are like some perspective saying that don't support those care because they're going to be, you know, like bad and hard working with. But absolutely, that is not true. We can change their, you know, perspective. And they are resilient people.
0: Well, I can tell you right now, I'm super encouraged by both of you. I'm inspired by both of you. And um, I just want to thank you for who you are. Thank you for your time that you took to be with us today. Be able to share your stories, to be able to encourage others, um, and hopefully uh, really uh, help people to understand not only um, what's going on, but how they can get involved, how they can help, how they can push this word out to help others understand the same so that we can Get, get kids into families. We can strengthen families. We can help families understand the importance of family and the importance of, of all that in children's lives. So thank you. Thank both of you um, for being, being a part of this show.
2: Thank you for having me. me.
0: Well, thanks again, Sanette and Grace. Man, that was uh, so powerful. I I think of all the interviews we've done on this show and and that is right there in the uh, top ones for me as far as uh, vulnerability, moving, um, just raw, real, great, um, amazing women that are doing incredible things that have overcome a whole heck of a lot. So, Brandon... um, What'd you think, ma'am? Well, I was just blown away, to be to be quite honest. Um I, I met
1: Sunette one time before uh, Grace I only knew over her proposal, um, but just was uh, compelled by um by both of them first and foremost. Um also excited for Miracle Foundation getting behind them through this through this Youth for Social Impact program. So knew that it was a that it was a story worth hearing and guess worth having. But uh, to be totally honest, I was blown away. Uh, I, I thought that they were phenomenal. Um, and, you know, I said this briefly, um, you know, I've run the gamut of what it looks like to um, care for vulnerable children, right? I was the guy that was answering the call from God to go run an orphanage in Africa kind of mm-hmm. guy, you know? Um, and their story matters so much more. Uh, than than most people that we have on the show, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. because yeah. because they have experienced care um, both in a family as well as in residential care, and also what it looked like to advance to adulthood. You know, based on whatever happened in their childhood, and and each of them had unique stories. So, um, what they shared really really matters. And um, I'm just yeah, I was just encouraged, and and to be and to be totally honest, I was I was blown away. That was also. Uh, one of my favorite interviews, just getting to hear from Grace and Sinette and, and their leadership in this space, um, as well as their vulnerability um, with their own background. So, um, you know, and there were some, some sensitive things, you know, shared in there and uh, we don't gloss over those. Right. Um, we recognize that, that, um, that those are real things that really happen in the world. Um, but, uh, but uh, I was just, again, yeah, just, just so encouraged by, by them. Yeah, How about you, I, man?
0: I, I, I want to hit on that too. I mean, I I don't want to go too much into what they said. I want you to go back and listen to it. And if you and if you're one of those like me that listens in one and a half or two times speed, put it down to one one x because I'll tell you what. Um, with the accents especially, sometimes you'll miss stuff, and you don't want to miss this stuff. I feel I feel like right now with our uh, any commentary I do, I feel like is when I when I preach a sermon and I'm like giving commentary on the Bible. I'm like, I feel like it's you know. Francis Chan, actually, in a recent talk, he talked about that as like the dirty water, the dirty river water, where he's, you know, we get baptized in dirty river water. He's like, I, I, I feel like, what's that even doing? I guess if you're that dirty. or No, he's talking about, I'm not baptized. He was talking about washing clothes in the dirty water. He's like, I guess if the clothes are that dirty, maybe it's doing something. He goes, that's what I feel like when I'm preaching a sermon. I guess if, if we're, our lives are so dirty, maybe it's helping a little bit. And I feel like anything would be like that right now because it was so pure, just unadulterated, this is what it is. This is what it's about, you know? So go back and listen to it. I encourage you to do that. Go back and listen to it. If you're, if you listen to this show and you're listening for stuff to learn, man, that's it. So, and I, and I do want to say one other kind of, it's, it's a recommendation kind of, but it's more just a, uh, reiterating. One of the things that, uh, Sinette talked about, uh, when she, we, she talked about being, being raped. And, as you said, that's raw. That's real. That's that, the importance that she talked about, though. Not about that exactly, but about talking about it, about sharing about it as she talked about. I, I just interviewed a man on my How Soccer Explains Leadership podcast uh, who survived 9-11. He was in the 73rd floor of Tower 2, was able to get out before it collapsed. And he said he didn't talk about it for about six years, five, six years. And he was a zombie effectively walking around and not living at all and he started talking about it and he says that was um one of the things that really helped him to move not just like move on in life but to to really live to really be able to uh work through it it it, it said to ignore it does not help to not talk about it does not help um and actually talking about it he says is especially therapy even as he was sharing it with me fascinating interview if you struggle with ptsd in any way um or any other trauma which i imagine some people listening to the show do i recommend that i haven't actually released it yet as of recording this but it will probably be out by the time this airs so go check that out too um i don't normally recommend my own podcast but i was blown away in that interview as i was in this one um just by story and man powerful so all right, bro, so what, what, what what's your recommendation that you have for us?
1: Well, you know, getting after the fact that we're both saying how uh, phenomenal, that's the only word I have for Senate and Grace, <laughs> um, how great it was. Actually, Grace shared um, a, a couple recommendations and I'm just gonna underscore one. I'm just gonna piggyback off of what she said. Um, there is that course, it's on future learn. Um, obviously with, with with One Million Home, we're always interested in digital learning. We have our own platform. Uh, to me, one of the gold standards is that course that she mentioned. So this is by Celsius, that's C E L C I or S I S. I almost misspelled it. Um, Celsius and University of Strathclyde on the Future Learn. It's um, the UN guidelines on alternative care of children. Um, it's one of the better courses I've seen out there um, as far as just understanding international policy, but also how to implement um, those guidelines, and and that's what the course is all about. So it was for me, I took it when I was still living in Tanzania. Um, So it, uh, you know, as somebody that was managing a program, it was helpful. So then to hear a care lever also say, yeah, it was helpful for me too. um, Then the resource must be good. So um, we will link that in the show notes. Um, They sometimes open it up for free enrollment, um, but you can also pay if it's not open at the moment to just unlock it. So um, but yeah, Future Learn uh, the UN guidelines on alternative care of children. Uh, that is a that is a that is definitely a course worth taking, especially if you're a professional in this space, right? We talk about that often. We need to be equipped for the work that we're doing, um, and that's a really helpful course. So I'll just
0: uh, piggyback off of what Grace had recommended. All right, great recommendation. And uh, folks, as we as we tie it up, you know, this is like one of those longer movies that you didn't want to end. Um, you know, which is a sign of a great movie. Hopefully that's the way you felt about it too, folks. That This podcast is one I, I know I didn't want that interview to end. It was so good. But uh, right now it is. As I said, all good things must come to an end. So right now I just want to remind you, connect with us. Uh, info at We've been getting some different people contacting us about some different things. I, I love that. I love getting feedback. I love getting conversation continuing. If you have any questions, if you have people that you think would be good for the show, please reach out to us and you know it's not always a fit but you know we've got a lot of guests on this show Brandon himself is one who reached out to me early on in this thing and now he's the co-host not saying that's going to happen no promises I'm not making any promises but but you never know like I just love love being able to connect with each and every one of you out there so please please reach out and also um just engage with with others on this share this with others this episode in particular, man, if, if, you, if it helped you, if it touched you, share it with others. It's the best way to get it out there. We can post on social media and stuff, but you sharing it with others is really how it's going to get out there. So uh, you know, above all, what we're hoping and what we pray happens every time you listen to this show is that you take everything that you're learning and you use it to help you to love vulnerable children and their families better and better each and every day. Thank you.